everyone. Welcome to From Nor to Nothing, Ontological Oxymorons. I'm your host, Joel Bouchard, a doctoral student in psychology. And with me is Mr. Norman Gayford, a professor of English and philosophy. History is often something we take for granted. There are physical artifacts that have survived throughout time telling the story of the past, and these artifacts are subjected to a rigorous methodological study which confirms their veracity. Simple, right? Well, in many cases, this is true, which is why we believe we have an accurate picture of the past. There are some things which make this process difficult, including our own histories as people and cultures, as well as our interpretation of the aforementioned artifacts and how we decide what gets the rubber stamp of approval. All right, so historicity, um, which I I didn't mention in the in the monologue, <laughs> historicity is what we're talking about today, yes. and uh, this is something I got interested in. Um, I I get sucked down um, like these Wikipedia rabbit holes, right? <laughs> I'll read something, I'll get all the way to the end of the article, I'll say see also, right? Mm-hmm. You, okay, start click 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 click. Yep. And then some of the times you read something like, no, this is too fantastical. I got to look this up in like a, an actual professional resource. And then you find out, no, it is true. Like, wow, that's really cool. Um, well, yeah, because just a side note, because I've said this so often as a teacher, uh, the people who trash Wikipedia are generally people who don't pay much attention to it. Wikipedia, you have to you teach yourself to look at the sourcing. And and if if you're provided with the background of the people who actually are putting the material in and the footnotes and so on, then then that's pretty good. The further you get into UFO theories and who shot John F. Kennedy, the worse it's going to be, and it's not very very tangible. So yeah, it's a good rabbit hole to go down. Yeah, yeah, and they're pretty good about putting that up. You'll see if if something's said. Um, and you see like the blue question mark after it or the blue citation, you'll know that, okay, well, somebody just said something here and they didn't <laughs> actually put anything down to back it up. Doesn't right. mean it's not true, but it means that they didn't, they didn't, right. in college, like in college, right? They didn't, uh, they didn't show their work. They didn't show their sourcing. So, um, yeah, anyways, so I'm looking through Wikipedia and I came across um, the entry on the Library of Alexandria, right? Start reading about the whole history of it and all of the guys who, um, put it together and things. And the part of it that, that was the part of it that I love, that's really interesting to me when you start looking at ancient history is, um, the level of detail, especially in, you know, like the Greco Roman world where, um, the level of detail that you have about people's lives who lived 2000 years ago. Right. Mm. And then the strange things that are known and, and unknown, right. You have a lot of detail about this certain scholar or philosopher's life, um, but you don't know exactly when he was born. And, or sometimes, and sometimes it's not even a range. Like they'll provide two dates like, oh, well, he was either born in 56 BC or 48 BC. Yeah. Well, those are eight years apart. And they're not saying there's a span. It's just one or the other right. based off of um, texts that, it, that exist from the time period. And so... that's where, you know, I know that a lot of listeners might be coming into the episode thinking historicity, is that even a real word? (laughs) Ah, Yes, indeed. Historicity, the authenticity, the seeking of the authenticity of. Right. So, you know, the history. Yeah. So anecdotally, you know, a, a good introduction into what historicity is, is that very concept of, um, trying to parse out, um, factual information about historical characters. Another good one that comes from another Wikipedia rabbit hole for me was um, Robin Hood. You know, I love, I love the stories of Robin Hood 
Um, I, I've read through, I like reading through the oldest source material that I can for it. You know, the older the English and the older the stories, the, the more interesting it is to me. Um, but you know, there's his, you know, there's historians that out there that try to determine if Robin Hood was a real person mm-hmm. and there's, you know, they've, they scour the records and they found, well, you know, there's 23 men that existed during the correct time period with the name Robin Hood. And then based off the records, they try to determine, well, were any of these men criminals? Well, did any of these men live in Nottingham? You know, did any of these things? And they narrow it down. They say, well, there's a, you have a couple candidates, right? For a real Robin Hood. Now, certainly many of the stories are, exaggerated or completely invented or whatever mm-hmm. but at, at some point is there a kernel of truth to robin hood being a real person and that's really the core of what historicity is it is be, being uh, uh, we talked before the show being married to a, a person i consider a brilliant historian but who, whose life went whose choices and and opportunities went a different direction my wife uh, she's still an avid, omnivorous reader. And we talked this very morning about uh, historicity and, and, the, and the act of history. And, and, uh, and there's a, it's such a tangle that the, the marvelous thing about history is one, there are things that one can establish, uh, a document that exists and uh, a constitution or whatever. But there are many, but, but the moment that something is established, a text is found or discussed, then you're automatically, when you have human beings involved, looking at it through many interpretive lenses. And to try to untangle the interpretive lens from a document or an artifact is enormously complicated, very, very human, and, and a lifelong work. And so historicity is uh, is not a stagnant, um, static thing as it may sound. It's it's a it's a process. Yeah, yeah, and definitely. Um, it, it's funny because there's there's sort of a science to history. You know, there's there's a lot of things that have to go into, um, you know, establishing mm. what sort of events and people actually existed. And you know, you can think that that's that's something that would be very hard to do. Um, in a level of detail, right? Because I can say that I did something this morning, but nobody can ever, that. Yeah, ever prove it. Yeah. And so out, outside of very specific circumstances, like, um, you know, uh, Pompeii, you know, we don't have detailed historical accuracy on the little um, minutia of um, ancient history. But we do have big documents, big artifacts, um, and events that so that we have some some sort of uh, a record of what happened. Right. But like you said, um, who was writing the records, right? Or you know, if you see this type of stone in this la- layer of strata and this sort of thing, you know, what sort of prior knowledge are you using to decide what kind of building this was or what civilization? That was yeah. another one, right? Up until recently. Um, Many historians thought the Hittites were just a fabled society, right? And then, um, I, I don't know how long ago it was. I want to say maybe 20 or 30 years. They discovered, no, the Hittites actually were a real Middle Eastern people, you know, that was distinct from other ones. 
I'm not exactly sure what sort of information they used to determine that. Um, but the Hittites are another one that had their own library, extensive record of of you know documents from that time well, period. Well, this is right. It's an ongoing thing, and this this is something that our that our this this brings us into our current moment and, and back out of it again in the sense of you you rely on the authority of trained and educated historians who are going to have a variety of lenses and views but yet who have the the tools intellectually to adequately work with other fields to from archaeology to sociology and so on to to try to tease out the, the story, the, the, if, if not the meaning, but the story of, of, of a building, an artifact or whatever. So, and, and, and amazing things happen. I remember a, a number of years ago, it wasn't all that long ago, but still, uh, that in, uh, Nova Scotia, there, there was a dig that revealed a, essentially a, not a city, but a, a, a a town, so to speak, a community that was about oh, eight or ten thousand years older than it would, should have been, should have by previous standards, right? So you find out something new, and that's where you engage in the very humble I mean, historians who seriously practice. I think are like humanities people, literature people. There, there is a, a necessary humility you arrive at when you realize how much you don't know because of everything that you that you find, and that's where the philosophy is. How how do you approach some some history? Uh, some history might be considered of necessity by someone. Uh, what's the moral? What are we to learn from this? Well, that's not the first step. Mm-hmm. And and there may not ever be this one thing we are to learn from something. So, but we're in a time when when authority of of all kinds is under attack. The the authority of knowledge gathering and knowledge interpretation is eschewed, and and so when everyone thinks that they can do everything equally well, the likelihood is you're going to have a much more modeled muddled approach to history as well as most other things yeah yeah and you know taking the nova scotia thing as an example right you have a couple options when something like that happens right as a professional you could say well you know the alaska russia land bridge didn't you know didn't exist at that point so there's no way people could have been here at that time or you could say well people must have found a different way they must have crossed in an ocean to get here you know there's or you know maybe this maybe the way of our that we're dating things isn't isn't correct or there's there's a number of different things that that play into trying to determine how this thing is possible mm-hmm. you know or where where things are happening and it's it really creates a it's a very complex um thing that happens you know I, and that's why i said in the monologue like we we kind of take history for granted right you read a history book and you think okay well that's what happened but historicity plays into there's two kind of two definitions. There's the typical one, which is what we've been talking about so far, which is just trying to determine if people and events actually existed. 
there's a philosophical sort of definition of it, which talks about people, you know, professionals in the field, you know, professional historians and stuff. They have their own histories and they live in the context of their own cultures and the way that they interpret information about the past is necessarily um, tinted because of their existing experiences. Yes. And when they're aware of that and they bring that to bear, at least that becomes a revealed, you know, a, it's, it's made transparent and it, it would seem rather obvious anyway, but, but the, the result of that is that the humility I mentioned before that you realize you don't know what you don't know, right? <laughs> but you, but when you come to know things, to what degree epistemologically do you know them or to what degree are they being intuited or guessed at or um, this is a fragment, this is a piece, we're putting a piece together. Sorry, you can't have the whole picture yet because there's never going to be a whole picture, but uh, maybe there's not enough yet to do what one wants to with with the evidence that's that's given uh so yeah this is what i think this is where the difficulty comes when in any culture but i'll take ours as an example uh, there are there are fine teachers of history but there are also people who are uh cave to or 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 feel the necessity to ideological the making of ideology, the making of a national ideology, so that history sort of takes a, a side role and on stage is, this is what you're supposed to think about us. The history is simple. Here's the things that happened here, the most important things that happened, and thus this is the people that we are. Amen. And, <laughs> and first, that's not terribly interesting. Uh, second, it's not terribly accurate. And, and, and if you're inviting young people into or wanting to invite truly invite young people into a field of knowledge whether it is philosophy or history or literature and and, and the mush that all of those become because they influence each other then of necessity you you need to re- reveal put out in front of people the the conflicts the conflicts of of ideologies the 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 difficulties of interpretation the lenses that people are looking through and that's a slower process yeah, yeah but it's a vitally important one right because yeah. i mean if <laughs> taking history for granted you know you end up with people who believe that the holocaust didn't happen right that 6 million people vanished off the face of the earth and there's people that don't believe it happened right right choose not to believe that it happened right so a, a counter to the evidence and, and it just goes to show you like how how little us as lay people know about prior events right so at some point you have to put your trust in somebody telling you what existed because Many of us don't have access to these source documents, right? So that's why historicity is is a cool topic and why it's it's interesting to dig into mm-hmm. um, how experts and, and people who have the ability to examine these things interpret them. Um, so I think we've we've laid a really good intro to to what it is. 
why don't we separate it out? What's the difference between history or historicity or historicism or historiography? <laughs> you, you know, like, all right, we'll take them one at a time. So there's history, right? Right, and, and so the, the history is basically no, not basically. Let's scratch that. I don't like that word. Uh, the record or the implied record or or the 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 encounter with records texts artifacts uh, the, the the so the the study of, of 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 past occurrences events situations using what evidentiary material that we have and that's important right because i think a lot of people think of history as something that happened in the past right but that's not true history is the professional study of the past and so probably the easiest way to conceptualize it is thinking about prehistory right like pre well what is prehistory well what it means is it's an era of time where we don't have records or any sort of thing to solidify what happened from a from a human viewpoint looking at our artifacts or records that sort of thing right it doesn't mean that nothing happened there no. <laughs> you know obviously you know back, there there was a primordial world there was a universe you know but that's the thing that's sort of interesting about that right is that you know the a primordial world of the universe we have information about them we have scientific information about them but we don't have historical information right right exactly so and, and sometimes scientific information can become historical information if enough pieces are there to find it and thus thus whatever prehistory is there's not like this border we, we always like the mesozoic era and then and and the and the jurassic period and and, and it's like wow did we just walk through the door from one period to that no well maybe across thousands of years or a million years maybe more or less it's a pretty expansive border right <laughs> um, so so the more things come um, are, are found or the, that our tools get better scientifically to study it in order to find artifacts that then can be rendered as history. Yeah, there's a relationship. Okay, so we got history, which is the human examination of the records of the past. And then we have historicity, which is sort of um, the veracity of the people and events that existed in the historical records. Okay. Um, historicism. <laughs> This is, I'm going to say theory, and now we live in a time, of course, when people say, oh, it's just a theory. No, 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 no. Theories are are well-worked-out structural structures uh, that uh, are developed to explain something that is found. So something isn't just a theory. If you if you say that, you're already off base. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't mean it's absolutely right. It, it means that it's, it's it's much more than a guess. Or even a hypothesis. Sorry. So, uh, social, cultural, uh, human interactions um, that take place are are uh, are what historicism talks about. Uh, the thing the, here's a, the tendency to regard historical development as the most basic aspect of human existence. The theory, the social and cultural phenomenon are determined by history. Historicism 
suggests, and I'm saying this as a, 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 a my wife's the f- trained and licensed historian. I'm, I'm I might have other fields, but we all meet in this area of the humanities. And so when you when you say the theory that social and cultural phenomena are determined by history, history is this active element <laughs> that that affects people. So, in other words, it becomes this cause, <laughs> which is a, so it's almost an entity. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's really fascinating, right? Because no doubt, really, that history is kind of a, a two-way street. You're on some spectrum, right? No, there's no doubt that history does affect pe- how people, people's presence and past in certain cultures and in certain contexts and things. But there's also very little doubt that people in certain contexts and cultures manipulate or interpret their history differently, right? Mm -hmm. So there's definitely a two-way street with this, but historicism, like you said, it gives it, it, there's a cause, right? There's this this, this thing that says... We, We say this is this place. This is this geographical zone that this is this time period where that that's the, this artificialization of so so to a lay person oh time period well then you start seeing the silos or the <laughs> the columns on the gravel and, and that's all very nice <laughs> but if only things were just that that precise right but right. They, um, but it, it 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 ascribes elements of uh, it, it it foundationalizes, I think, uh, things that might seem arbitrary space-time elements. Is mm-hmm. aha. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this moment. Right. Ta-da! And all. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> yeah, so I'm trying to think of a good example of that. And probably a, a good example would be um, like the founding of America, right? I mean, if you think about it, <laughs> like, so, yeah. and how Americans would view that versus other parts of the world. And then, you know, is something about that history, um, has that predetermined how Amer- the progression of America's present and future based off of what we believe about the history? Right. And, the, and, the hist- and th- th- this is a good example because... And you brought it up. It's not my fault. (laughs) The the notion that the country began at a certain moment, almost to the point of religiosity and myth, um, is is a historicism that uh, spins even into wilder zones as far as i'm concerned so we we know for instance and we've talked about this before but uh, there are there are those who absolutely are frightened by the uh, notion uh, that is not a notion that is a document that that historicity has made clear of, of a ship called the white lion which uh, brought the first documented slaves in 1619 to this place. Now, this place itself, you know, to say this place, <laughs> there's, there's trouble with that semantically too, but, right? but which then becomes 
an anchor, a defensible, arguable anchor for this is the beginning of America. Because less than a year later, the Mayflower comes along, da da da. There's our historicism at work. This is the story. Now pay no attention to that one. This is the story. No, it's all the story. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's where it gets um, pretty interesting, right? Is somebody could have somebody could have both accurate and India accurate historicism historicity, and. I think that's a pretty prevalent phenomenon with founding fathers, right? Um, the example that Wikipedia uses is um, George Washington, right? So historicity of George Washington's existence is irrefutable. George Washington definitely existed, right? right? right. He's it's definitely authentic. He exists. But the historicity of the story of George Washington cutting down a cherry tree and admitting man. to and it. We, right. It's, it's, right. It's been totally debunked. It didn't so, happen. Right, right. So <laughs> if it didn't happen, right, but if it didn't happen, but Americans, the majority of Americans live under the notion that it did happen. Yeah. And then they infer things about their nation because it happened. Mm-hmm. And then that sort of alters the course of the country based off of people's patriotism. That's kind of historicism, right? That's, that would be sort of what they're that, trying that, to say. That, is I, I, I would say so, yes. So, real interesting, real interesting concept. Well, but, and, and, and then even take the, the phrase fathers of the country. And there will be people listening to this who get all get offset. And well, you know, you're supposed to education. I'm just full of things today. <laughs> education is under a lot of attack now. Education is is one of the primary purposes of education has been for a long time that you have to understand that you're going to encounter information that will make you uncomfortable, that ought to make you uncomfortable, because being uncomfortable means you're starting to rethink things. doesn't mean you throw away everything. It means that you need to rethink in light of fresh information. When you have a system that gets pressured and pressured and pressured to, oh, don't make me uncomfortable. Just tell me the same old things, and it'll just that way we can just take it in and it'll all be fine. That's sleep. Yeah. <laughs> that's dozing. And so <clears throat> that's that's philosophically to me one of the reasons this conversation is is exciting and interesting and, and, and important. So fathers of country. What does that imply? Oh, that men are more important. What does that apply? Well, uh countries are families. Uh, uh except that <laughs> and it's the and, and so you just take on that word, that phrase. And that allows you to examine the historicism and the biases that are built into the ideology. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's, it really highlights the complexity of humanity and how we try to simplify things, right? It was like we were talking about when we did last week's episode on the Sokovia Accords, right? We had that opening (laughs) scene. The Avengers and all, yeah. Yeah. With, with, um, you know, War Machine and the Falcon, right? We talk about, yeah, you know, there's this, sort of people are sort of compelled to put these two guys in the same group, right? Cause they're both men. They're both, uh, you know, African-American, they're both military. And so a lot of Americans just right off the bat, that creates a stereotype for you. And you, you think you can infer things about mm-hmm. these people because of it, but their backgrounds are wildly different. 
And that goes not just for individuals, but also for whole groups of people. And the story of American history that we've been told really glosses over those sorts of things, yes. right? And, yeah. you know, so the founding fathers, okay, we'll, we'll gloss over their issues. Um, and we'll gloss over the fact that there were women that played a big course in history. And we'll gloss over the fact that African-Americans built the country, essentially, and all of these different types of things, right? Yeah. yeah. And so that that's why it's such an interesting topic. History will make you uncomfortable and it will, it'll make you itchy. <laughs> and, 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 and generally, um, it's, you know, for, for people who are lo- love to study it, uh, if they, I think if they really take it seriously, they would say that. Most people would say that. <laughs> Which kind of leads us into historiography. Right? Ah. <laughs> so, can you give us a definition of historiography? The historiography is the study of the writing of history. It's literally the studying of text. And, and, and the study of how, uh, how one approaches history through writing. Uh, it, it is, I, I am told, the most onerous class in a graduate program one can take because you will be methodically painfully working through the idea of what writing is about hmm. and, and it's and it is where my one of my fields is, encounters there, there just aren't borders between these things right and what do we do when we what is the act of writing about and where does it come from and and what is the process and when we revise what are we actually doing and and then you take that all and you bundle it up with what am i trying to do with writing in 1492 thus and such happened what is my intent Am I trying to skew something? Am I trying to represent it? Am I, am I doing both? Have I revealed that I realize that I'm doing both? And all of that's built into one sentence. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's almost kind of like meta history, right? You're sort of it's like thinking about how know, things are rendered. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. And it's funny because you know this is it's not like it's just some um, you know something that professionals get hooked up on. Um, you know, there's religious people are serious about this Judaism, right? There's still people over there that, um, you know, Torahs that people teach out of can only be copied by certain scribes who have gone through certain rituals who are exactly copying down, you know, what's happened. That's the way it's been forever. That's, I mean, that's an obsession with historiography, right? Because, you know, you're saying that everything has to be done this from this certain perspective it's, it, right it's overlaying a ritual if if of religiosity or a, a ritualization that attempts to now that's starting from a fixed point rather than an open yes point yes so rather than saying what's my intent or what's going on it's saying this is the intent this is, this is the way this is, this is the way it has been that's what we're trying to preserve so it's historiography no but it's historiography from the viewpoint of the cultural imperative uh, whatever element of the culture is controlling the writing <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah that's it, it's interesting because that's where you know thinking about um like you said if if this is written you know, if somebody wrote this, what was their intent and what were they thinking? And if I'm writing about it, what is my intent and what's my thinking? And 
Mm-hmm. It's really um, an examination of the the objective and the subjective in in the the record. So, do you think a person or event with both accurate and inaccurate historicity constitutes a myth? Hmm. Robin Hood is our example, right? So, if you have Robin Hood, um, let's say that we we can establish there was a Robin Hood. He was a criminal. Um, and he, you know, he was sort of a folk hero, right? Right, and a folkloricism, a folkloric a legendary uh, emerges out of that because we are in. We've talked about this before too. We are in. We are creatures of story weaving. We love to weave stories about our normal mundane little days, about our <laughs> life circumstances, about the bigger things, levels and levels. So, so folkloric writing and orality, storytelling of all kinds, music and such can emerge out of a figure who can who, who could be established. We still haven't necessarily established King Arthur, uh, and that's my you know you're Robin Hood guy. I'm a King <laughs> Arthur guy, right? And, and and evidence seems to point toward a Roman. Uh, chieftain of uh, general who becomes uh, who absence the Roman Empire gets gets naturalized into the culture you know, uh, uh, and uh, a mound warrior have a, have a little hill with a little trench and tries to keep the other barbarians out even though you know, well there, there we, we don't we still we all kinds of bits and pieces but we and much history has been written. Uh, but not, but also knowing that it's not absolute because so much, so many things have developed in the life of that character and the way that's represented. So I don't think that. So what your question was? Well, I'm I'm sitting here listening to you. I'm already like I feel like another series percolating. I'm thinking like, <laughs> man, you know what? We should do one on. On what a legend is, what a myth is, folklore, like absolutely because what they all these different, different words mean. But right. yeah, my question was: um, if a person or event has both accurate and inaccurate historicity, does mm-hmm. that constitute something, a myth or a legend? It, or- it can give birth to it. I think it's a soup that can give birth to it. I don't think it's of necessity that it will, because we don't have legends about every thief in the in the history of the world. But uh, I, I think that it. It, like the like the primordial soup when the lightning bolt hits it and and life starts, all right, that kind of thing. If the right lightning bolt hits at the right time when the soup is cooking, <laughs> then the likelihood is stories will be told if it's compelling enough. Okay. Um, how did how did Heidegger delineate between historical thinking and historicity? You want to get into Heidegger a little bit and sort of his his views on you. You start. Let's. I, I've got thing. Yeah, I want things I want to say, but I go with what you are thinking. So I I've, I haven't looked into it a whole lot, but I know Heidegger. Um, he he sort of railed against historical thinking in preference for historicity with historical thinking. Um, sort of. It was, it was sort of mirroring historicity to some extent, right? He was saying, you know, if you're examining, if you're looking at the past from this right. kind of fixed viewpoint um, and you're thinking about it in a certain way, um, it it 
leads to completely different conclusions about what the evidence is saying versus um, kind of, a, a, you know, approaching things from an objective viewpoint and then letting them speak for themselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, I think, I can't remember if we talked about it on the air or if it was when we were off the air, but I went down to um, to Virginia a, a few weeks ago and visited um, a, a house Thomas Jefferson built in a poplar forest. And uh, they they uh, had an, an exhibit. There was a, a slave house there, right? And um, the, the little placards that they had on different points and whatnot, it used very um, just objective language, right? It didn't it didn't introduce any sort of moral judgments into what it was saying, but it just said, "This is where the slaves lived. This is the kind of lives that they lived. This is the sort of thing that." This is what happened, essentially, and let you draw your own conclusions, which most reasonable people would draw the conclusion that this was an awful <laughs> way to live. But, you know, there's things in there, right? Okay. His chief slave followed him everywhere. He lived with his family. They did all this stuff, you know. So there's levels within that too, right? You know, there's some how some of them might have been treated or the life they might have had or what their perspective was on their life would would vary wildly from person to person with, 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 and th- and and there's and, and you've already identified this and the danger would be to say and so things were all fine but no because ultimately they were still chattel ultimately they could still be killed at a moment's notice sold away whatever no matter how momentarily um domestically uh peaceful at a moment it might have been right Uh, and i think that the important part to highlight there is the um the uh, the power dynamic right that's the important part because if we put it in like in the context of just your job right let's say that i have a boss right and i work with them i can get along with my boss personally fine but my work could still have a huge deleterious impact on my health on you know everything else and then one day I can make a big mistake at work and I'm, I'm done. Right. So <laughs> the same thing could exist there. You know, you could, I'm sure you could go back to that period of time and ask people, Hey, do you, do you like, do you like your life? Oh yeah, it's good. Maybe it's good in that moment and it's not good in another moment. But what it doesn't identify is that power, power dynamic dynamics that has been established. Yeah. And, and the morality of that yeah. power dynamic, uh, right? Uh, uh, we uh, have uh, certain uh, protections as workers, right? right? I can't be forced to work more than 12, 16 hours a day. I can't right. be forced. To, you know, you can't just get rid of me at a moment's notice. You can't pay me nothing. You can't. Exactly. You can't do exactly. these things. So the power dynamic, that's, that's, that's for, for all of his, for all the problematic issues with, with Heidegger and his politics, the, the power, and some of the things that he would say, you would, you'd say, well, and, and you were supporting this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> of, of, with Nazism and so on. But the, 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 the power dynamic over arches, but is often buried so as we aren't supposed to think about that. And the revealing of it's it's rather a matrix like thing. Okay. I mean, you suddenly see what the reality really is. And the and the illusion that has been purveyed. Um well being in nothingness doesn't talk about the matrix, but uh, uh, but when he writes about some some of these kinds of things, he's saying there's a lot more power issues than we care to think about it we must think about them i mean for he, 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 uh, from a history 
<laughs> historiography or graphical point of view, I think it's interesting because he talks about how language controls us. Hmm. He's one of the, so from a philosophical viewpoint, there have been many people in our, uh, the, at the end of the previous century and certainly now who are talking about how language does Language is kind of the entity that uh, manipulates as much as we we cede power to language. Yeah, <laughs> um, and so the language we just automatically start we start assuming terms from other people. We start taking, and suddenly the culture shifts. We, we we've seen this happen in front of our very in in our very lives uh, over recent history. The way people will use language, how people will talk to each other, has changed dramatically. And some and some argue that well, so all the ugliness has been revealed now, and nobody's backing away from it. Uh, we, uh, the, the, uh, okay, that's a historical moment. <laughs> Did it happen on X date? No, but but uh, I think that's what Heidegger's talking about. So, so history is not. I, in some ways, I th I think that what he writes of or, or suggests is that history is this kind of entity, thus historicism, because we give it the power to, to be that. Yeah. And again, it, it, usually the best way to help people think about these things is is examples, right? And a good one is um, I saw an article the other day that that talks about um, things that millennials say that the Gen Z people drives them nuts, right? Yes, yes. And so you start reading through the list, and all of a sudden you start thinking, "Oh wow, you know, like that is something that just sort of popped up in modern, you know, colloquialism, like adulting, right?" Right. Gen Z people are like millennials are always talking about adulting, you know, as if doing regular everyday tasks was something that was completely different. And from what are we <laughs> categorizing in the first place? What are we millennials, baby boomers? Uh, you know, so such a wide category is not to be a category at all. Uh, yeah. You're going to categorize a group of people across. <laughs> 25 years <laughs> that's a type of that's a type of um historicism isn't it because yeah the government only recognizes the baby boomers as the only generation that's the only one that they identify and probably the reason for that is because there's a tangible jump in birth rate so there's a tangible increase right. and decrease in birth rate that created a, a certain blip of people right um everything yeah. else is essentially manufactured yeah, millennial. Um, so that means you were born around the turn of a century, and all of the. Uh, but it's uh, this this cluster of ugliness that is ascribed to millennials, and, and I think many of us have been guilty about that, and ought to recant and, and rethink. And kind of, so, oh, okay, because you were born around this time period, you're going to have this set of attitudes, and therefore I know you. That's as much as to say because of of. of your race, your 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 ethnicity, your your religion. Well, of course, this is how you all are. I've got you there. You're in my pocket, and we're done. It's a terrible, yeah. And thing. I receive emails at work about this all the time. There'll be um, companies that are, hey, read this paper about you know how to manage different generations of people, you know, and like what sort of management approach you should take and that sort of thing. And I've said it for a while um, that I think. 
ageism is really like the biggest bastion of um, bias that still exists. Not to say that there aren't other ones, that they aren't important and big and stuff, but I think that ageism is probably the one that like it gets no attention and it has a huge impact on, on people Across. and it goes both ways. Yeah. Right. You know, I, you hear managers all the time. Well, kids these days don't know how to work, right. you know, yeah. well, or you hear people, well, this guy's too old to do this job. You know, right. well, what you're just basing these things. It's completely based on age rather than an individual um, assessment of somebody's talent or, or ability. You know? Yep, and, and and now you've led us back to the two the two different uh, approaches to history. One is the large sociological or economic or political mass, <laughs> and the other is the individual. And 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 they don't always coincide. No, and there's definitely you know there's there's preferential treatment given to the former because um, it's easier to have a historical record of it. But it doesn't really it, within that, right? You can't you can't com- just throw away the impact of the individual within it, right? Like we were talking about with Pompeii, um, you know, there's you have records for, you know, like I said, big events, big people throughout history. You can't see into the minutia of everyday life in a lot of cases. But it doesn't mean that it didn't have a huge impact on the those big events and those big people of that time. Um, so yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's a wild topic. Um, how do you think our views on historicity are affecting our current reality? Well, we. This may be, I think this is a universal. We default sometimes to the notion of uh, absolute truth. Uh, and therefore, if I have the absolute truth, you must not. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, and this is, this allows us to uh, uh, dehumanize, uh, make enemies of, reduce to categorical simplicities and i think that 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 idea of historicity has 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 been is being warped by the lack of again attention to uh, an appreciation of authority and so my truth your truth their truth uh, there's there's nothing wrong with that the truth of my experience may not be the truth of your experience. And, and there's every reason to reveal that, to talk about, well, why did those experiences happen? What has led to those experiences? That can lead you toward maybe understanding a little bit more about how we ought to approach people. But when you say this is completely wrong and you default to conspiracy theories and you're much more willing to think that lizard people from some other place have invaded you, put nanites in your bloodstream in order to monitor you, and, and, and. How does the voice of, look, this is the thing that we have here. How This is the text. This is what was said. This is documentably what was done. That is very hard to break through. When people like to gloss and say, no, 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 that's not the way it happened. I know. What's your source of knowledge? It's always the first thing I like to ask people. Right. Where'd you, where'd you get that? Doesn't matter. Right? Where'd you get it? Well, we all know. No. Where did 
you get that? What is the provenance of that? And, and if it's because you just heard somebody say it, well, that, okay, that doesn't mean that it's wrong of, of the side, but uh, well, somebody said it. Well, why did they say it? Where did that come from? That's what history does. History is a constant regressive process of trying to figure out where things emerged. What emerged? How did it, how did it become what, what it is? And then why is it becoming what it is again? How is it being changed? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's funny because humans are just, we're storytelling creatures, right? <laughs> like it, it really doesn't take much at all to weave a whole narrative and to get off base from what the facts are, you know, what, what, what actually happened or what actually transpired. I think it's really telling that in our storytelling that in, in that sense, I think you, you know that there's something very important when people are so afraid to face it, to consider it, to look at it, um, because the power of that thing to change what has just been accepted as normal is immense. And so, of course, people are going to invent stories, anything, anything but truer, <laughs> anything yeah. but coming to terms with what actually happened. Um, that's what history has power. Yeah. And that's, that's what I've been, I've been down a rabbit hole for a long time with, um, esotericism, right? Oh, yeah. Which is this sort of idea that, um, you know, there was the esoterics are amazing. Right. You know, you had, um, <laughs> religious events that happened and then over time and you know, over centuries, these people started to look at it and say, no, well, no, like something here isn't adding up. So we're going to say that there was, there was a deeper meaning there's a hidden meaning there's a secret meaning and they start to develop these rituals and these texts and things and i mean there is something to say that that influences the course of history right because you have aliester crowley right and you have these people who had a big impact yeah. on the world yeah. who had these beliefs so if historicity can directly affect a course of events is this a type of determinism do you think a historicism has some sort of um, real weight? I think historicism, again, from a layperson's view, I think this, that historicism um, has weight, but it's a chicken and egg thing. <clears throat> is do I think that there's some force? Of history that is that makes us to, to do things well. That that would be to say that there that I think that there is a, a tangible and unchangeable human nature, and as philosophy has debated human. As science debates this whole concept of human nature it has for two hundred years or more. I don't think that there's such a, an absolute human nature that humans can't change. If if they do, then that change must come from within, and that's the pain of slow change. And and I think it's 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 entirely possible that humanity as we know it will disappear. Um, it's it's not unlikely. All kinds of life on this planet has had its time and disappeared. And, uh, you know, I don't say that glibly. I, I certainly would wish it's not the case. But um, when when a historicism uh, gets bent into the position of being the ultimate determining power, 
well, we just have to do this because this is just the way we are. Hmm. Well, I, I just have to drive at 75 miles an hour all the time because it's just the way they am. And I really have to have a television screen right on my dashboard so I can watch it while I'm driving 75 miles an hour. So whatever happens is going to happen. It's out of my hands. <laughs> that's that's a uh, that's a whacked historicism, I think. Yeah. Do you think um, <clears throat> that that raises a sort of a follow up question for me? Do you think that a psychological behaviorist would, by extension, necessarily be believe in historicism? I, I think a psychological behaviorist would say there's all there's a very adequate. Exp- explanation for why we feel like we have to tag certain periods or extol or vilify uh, certain moments that that there's a psychological basis for that that but that but that also means that we are able to take on our own psychology and say well why are we really doing this can we can we alter this to some extent whereas a determinist would say nope the forces of history will be the forces of history and so yeah, this has been fun. There's there's this underlying um, narrative that's sort of coming from it, um, which comes back to that idea of how how we're perceiving um, what's happened before. I'd like I'd like to explore that more in some future episodes, sure. as, as well as um, some of those other aspects, myth and and oh, legend absolutely. and folklore and stuff. This so, is always fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll be it'll be interesting <laughs> to look at in the future. Uh, until next time, keep pondering. Thank you.